Praise the Lord. I come prepared, you know. (laughs) Sometimes I don't know exactly which one it is until I get here. Glory to God. Thank you, Father. Father, we thank you for your word today. We thank you, Lord God, for the greater one who indwells us. We declare this morning that greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. We pray that the eyes of our heart would be enlightened. Flood our inner man with the light of revelation knowledge concerning change today, Lord. And we give you praise for it. We give you honor for it. For it's in Jesus' name that we pray. And everyone said amen. Amen. I want to talk to you a little while this morning about change because everyone needs to change. And change begins, I believe, by the renewing of our mind. So let's look at Romans chapter 12, and let's look at that for a text. Romans, the 12th chapter, in the first and second verse. The word change means to alter, or to shift, or to make different. And uh, in order for change to take place around you, it's got to begin with you. You can't wait for someone else to change or your circumstances to change before you change. Change starts with you. In Romans, the 12th chapter in verse 1, Paul's addressing the church at Rome and he says, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. Verse 2, and be not conformed to this world, but be transformed. That word transformed means be changed, to undergo a metamorphosis. In other words, what's on the inside of you showing up on the outside of you. The renewal of your mind begins, first of all, by receiving the Lord and then receiving the word of God. And be not conformed to this world. But be transformed. Now, how do we do that? By the renewing of our mind, that we may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Now, I want you to notice particularly, it says, be not conformed. One translation says, do not allow the world to squeeze you into its mold. Now, this world system has a mold. This world system has a way of thinking. This world system has a way of believing, it has a way of speaking, and a result of those things, the world acts in direct uh, opposition of the Word of God. And so the Bible says, don't be conformed to this world, but rather be changed by the renewing of your mind. Now, how many of you know that change is not always easy? But change is necessary. We don't always like or enjoy the process of change. Change is not easy, but change is possible. Change is possible. All things are possible to him that believeth. So in order for me to change and you to change, we must change our mind. Change our ideas. Change our attitudes. Change our mindset. See, if you grew up 
outside of Christianity, you grew up with a certain mindset. And so that mindset needs to be changed and aligned then with the Word of God. And for Christians, change should be a way of life. Change begins on the inside. How many of you here today have allowed Jesus to change your heart? When He came into your life, you became a brand new creation. Old things were passed away, and all things then became new. Amen. So now, change, as we look over at Ephesians chapter 4, verse 22 through 24, change oftentimes involves adding some things and subtracting some things from our lives. In Ephesians 4, 22 through 24 says, That you put off concerning the former conversation or the former behavior or former manner of life, the old man which is corrupt according to the deceitful lust. Now look at verse 23. And be renewed in the spirit of your mind. And then verse 24 says, And that you put on the new man, which after God is created in righteousness and true holiness. So we see then that there is a putting off of the old man, and then a putting on of the new man. Now, here's what many Christians do. Many Christians try to keep the old man, amen, and then put on the new man. (coughs) Now, when you, you know, when a baby, you know, goes potty, you don't put a new diaper on the old diaper. Right? You take the old diaper off. You clean the baby up. And then you put the new diaper on. But what a lot of Christians are doing is they're wanting their cake and eat it too. They want all the benefits of the new creation and live a poopy life. (laughs) No, we got to get rid of our poopy lives. Our old way of doing things. Amen. And put on the new man. And be renewed in the spirit of your mind. It is possible for us to change. And don't allow fear to keep you from changing. You have been given the power of God to change. In 2 Timothy 1.7 it says this. For God did not give us the spirit of fear, but of power and love And of a sound mind. He's giving you the power in order for you to get the kind of results that he wants you to have in life. The enemy will lie to you and tell you, you know, you've been this way for 50 years. Or you've been this way for 25 years. There is no help for you. I submit to you that is a lie from the pit of hell. It doesn't matter where you've been and what your circumstances are. By the power of God, He is the glory and the lifter up of your head. And He will change you by His glorious power. Amen. Do not allow fear to enter into your soul and tell you you cannot change. Because I have discovered that success comes in cans. Amen. 
How many of you ladies opened up a lot of cans this past week? Are you gentlemen cooked and opened up a lot of cans? Well, those aren't the kind of cans we're talking about. When I say success comes in cans, I mean what Paul said to the church at Philippi. He says, I can. I can do all things through Christ, which strengthens me. Can you change? Yes, I can. Will you change? Yes, I will. How will you do so? I'll do it through Christ. Because it's not in my own strength, but it is in the power of His might that enables me to change and become just like Him. And that's good news. Change. Change on the inside. Change showing up on the outside begins as you have a strong desire to change. Now the word desire then will become a motivation for your life. When you desire a Krispy Kreme donut and you give your attention to that hot light that you see as you drive by, when you give enough attention to that, eventually you'll begin to desire it and your desire will take you to that place. Attention... And desire. God wants us to possess a strong desire to change. In Deuteronomy 30, he says, I call heaven and earth to record this day against you. That I set before you life and death, blessing and cursing. And then he says, here's what I want you to do. I want you to choose life. Can you choose life? Can you make a choice to change? Do you have a desire to change? Got a little weaker right there. (laughs) Choose life. How do you choose life? You choose life with your chooser. Your chooser's on the inside of you. In your heart, you make the choice. And then you align your words up with the choices that you've made to change. For death and life are in the power of the tongue. I think we'd do great if we changed the words we speak. You know, if we could go around with a tape recorder all day at the end of the day and listen to it, we'd want to make some changes quick. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. He says, choose life. Why? So that you and your seed may live. Possess a strong desire to change. When I made some changes back in 1974... I went into a treatment center and I gave myself over to the program and I began to build fences around my decision. I possessed a strong desire to change, but a strong desire without the preventative boundaries set can cause the enemy to come in. Whatever you desire, you got to build some fences around your decision. What did you do? Well, I, 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 I watched very carefully who I associated with. I watched very carefully who I spoke with. I watched very carefully who my associates were. So whatever you desire to change, make sure that you protect 
your spirit and protect yourself from outside influences and from people that will tell you you'll never change. Have you ever gone forth and gone forward to make a change and people around you say there ain't no way? But you know that God is your way. You know that he's the way, he's the truth, and he's the life. So you don't need to mix up and to get involved with people that are going to bring you down. I got a question for you this morning. How strong is your want to? Well, I'd like to change. Liking to change won't get it. Well, I'm going to try to change. Trying to change won't get it. It's not the triers of the word that get results. It's the doers of the word. He said, be doers of the word of God and not hearers only. Therefore, we will not be deceived. Now, here's some reasons why people don't change. First of all, they perceive the need for change as an admission of weakness. They say, if I need to make a change, I'm admitting that I'm weak in that area. And so they deceive themselves into thinking, well, I don't really need to change. How many of you know it takes a strong person to take a good look in the mirror and take a good look at their lives and say, you know what? I admit it. I need to make some changes. Another reason why people don't want to change or make changes is they don't want to unsettle things in their lives. They don't like the zone of discomfort. But I've discovered this. Sometimes you got to stir some things up in order to make some changes in your life. I submit to you this morning, you do not have to live a mediocre life. You can live the God kind, the God quality of life. You can make some changes. So stop making excuses. Amen. What are excuses? Well, excuses are nails used to build a house of failure. How many of you know that lazy people will make excuses? Look with me at Luke chapter 14, and let's look at verses 16 to 20. Luke 14, 16 to 20. Now here is a man who invited many guests to a banquet. But some people didn't show up because they had an excuse. What is an excuse? An excuse is an attempt to be released from an obligation or a duty. It's an attempt to remove ourselves from any blame. Look with me at Luke chapter 14. And let's look at verses 16 through 20. And he said, a certain man made a great supper and he bade many. And his servant at supper time to say to them that were bidden, Come, for all things are now ready. And they all with one count consent began to make excuse. The first said, I have bought a piece of ground, and I must needs to go and see it. I pray thee, have me excused. And another said, I bought five yoke of oxen, and I'm going to prove them. I pray thee, have me excused. And another said, I've married a wife and you know I can't show up. (laughs) 
Excuses, excuses, excuses. Think about Adam. He spoke to the Lord. He says, it's the woman that you (laughs) gave to me. I didn't have anything to do with it, Lord. Yeah, right. Adam had the power to say no. You have the power to say no. You have the power to say no to things that have hindered your life. And say yes to the word of God. And say yes to the Holy Spirit. Amen. How about Moses? Moses was called of God. Anointed by God. And what was his mission? His mission was to let the people and to lead the people out of Egyptian bondage. That's a high call. I mean, they are literally under the bondage of the taskmasters. And they're sweating and they're working and they're being beaten. And God looked down upon his people and said, I'm going to do something about this. But I need a man. I need a man in the earth that will speak for me. How many of you know that God is looking for men and women in the earth today that will speak for him? See, God, through Jesus Christ, is the head of the church, but we are his body. When he desires to do something in the earth, he's going to do it through you. He's going to do it through me. He's going to do it through us. And so he goes out and he finds a man by the name of Moses. And Moses said, Lord, not me. I'm not eloquent in speech. Certainly, you can choose someone else. But the Lord's response was this. I will be with you. But Lord, I don't know how in the world I'm going to be able to convince Pharaoh to let your people go. And the Lord said, you tell him I am that I am sent me, sent you. And finally, Moses said, well, just send my brother. And he says, no, the call of God is upon you. What Moses was trying to do, he was trying to make excuses. Listen, friends, don't let someone else rob you of the benefit of being used of God. Stop the excuses. Stop the blame shifting. Finally, Moses said, okay, I'll go. But if your presence doesn't go with me, I'm not going. How many of you know that when God calls you, he equips you and he anoints you and all he's looking for is a willing vessel? Stop making excuses. I was born into a poor family. Well, that may be true in the natural realm. But now that you're born again, you're born into a kingly family. You're born into the family of God. Yeah, but I grew up on the wrong side of the tracks. But you're not on the wrong side of the tracks spiritually. You've been raised up together and made to sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. You are not what you were. It is no longer you that's living, but it's Christ that's living in you. And he is the hope of glory. Get rid of all the excuses. Get rid of all the things that have hindered you. Lay aside the weight of a mediocre life. Lay aside the weight of all those excuses. Amen. Locate the areas in which you have become accustomed to or have become comfortable with. Locate those areas. 
that have caused you to make excuses from making a change. Eliminate every excuse so that you can go to the next level in your life. God wants to take you up. He wants to move you higher. He wants to bring you from one degree of glory to the next. Amen. Look at Proverbs chapter 7 and verse 9. We must then learn to love change. Everyone say change. We must learn to love change. See, a person that's got a rebellious, stagnant spirit reacts negatively when he's confronted with the truth about himself. How many of you know we should never despise hearing the truth? Look at at Proverbs chapter 7 and verse 9. Well, that ain't the verse. Anyhow, I believe this. The biggest change sometimes that we make is who we spend time with. Look at Proverbs 13, 20. I'm sure that's the right scripture. Proverbs 13, verse 20. Listen, friend, anyone who is not helping you fulfill your destiny is hurting you. I think it's important that we evaluate our relationships and evaluate our friendships and really be willing to sever them if necessary. I believe this, that we need to embrace those who challenge us and embrace those who correct us. In Proverbs 13, verse 20, it says, He who walks with wise men, what will he become? If you walk with wise men, the scripture says very clearly, you will become wise. But the companion of fools will what? Do you have any fools hanging around your life? I'm not saying they're bad people. They're just fools. Right? Sometimes fools are funny. Right? But carnal as an old hoot all. Using the Lord's name in vain. See, a companion of fools will be destroyed. Now, what does the word companion mean? The word companion means a close associate. Or one that runs with fools. Don't be foolish and run with a fool. If they're going to go down to the club and do whatever they do down there, don't go with them. If they're going to smoke this and smoke that and drink this and drink that, cut yourself off from them. Sever that relationship. Yeah, but old Chuck, he's funny. Well, he might be funny, but he's a fool. Right? And a companion of fools will be destroyed. I had a lot of friends that were just... I mean, they were high heel friends. They like to have a good time. They like to do this and do that and go here and go there. But, you know, I found out once I hit the skids and hit my bottom, those friends were gone. Where were my friends when I was in the treatment center? 
Where are your friends going to be in your midnight hour? See, a true biblical friend is a friend that will stick closer than a brother. A true biblical friend will be one when all the world walks out, your true friend will walk in. A true friend, the Bible says, is born for adversity. See, all fools like to do is have a good time. Spend your money. Right? Have a good time. Eat, drink, and be merry. And that's only temporary. Because when the dust settles and it's all over with, at the end of the day, what really matters is your true friend Jesus and the friends that put something into you instead of taking something out of you. See, if you walk with the wise, you'll become wise. But you see, a companion of fools is going to be destroyed. That word companion denotes close fellowship with. That word companion denotes you run with them. Now, there's nothing wrong with witnessing to a fool. But don't do it over at the hollow leg. There's nothing wrong with embracing a sinner. And by embracing that, I mean, don't mean going to the club with them. Embracing a sinner, take them out for dinner. But when you fellowship with a sinner, do it on your terms. And do it on your turf, not necessarily on their turf. I believe that all of us should have some relationship with sinners. Jesus ate with publicans. He ate with sinners. We don't want to get this holier-than-thou attitude where we become so spiritually minded that we're no earthly good. We do not want to take on an air of superiority where the world is concerned. No, we are light and we are salt. And I believe that God will give us an open door to minister to those that are in sin. You don't have to tell them how bad they are. You don't have to tell them how sinful they are. They already know it. And it isn't the badness of God that leads men to repentance because there ain't nothing bad in Him. It's the goodness of God that will lead men and women to repentance. So you live your life right. You live your life uprightly. And I'll guarantee you, sooner or later, they will recognize that there's something different about you. At first, they may investigate and they may think, well, there's something phony about him. But when the dust settles and over the long haul and the long term, they will see glory to God. That person's full of joy. That person's full of peace. Their body's healed. Their bills are paid. Glory to God. Take me to your leader. So I'm not saying cut yourself off from the world. I'm saying cut yourself off from the spirit of the world. Don't let the spirit of the world enter into the counsel of your inner man and into your life. Walk with the wise and you'll become wiser. But a companion of fools, that person's going to be destroyed. Now, I know the Holy Spirit has taken us this direction today because some of you have been hanging out with some fools. Here's what fools do. Well, never mind. (laughs) Look at Proverbs 12. 
Proverbs 12. Embrace people who challenge you. Embrace people that will even bring correction to your life. In Proverbs 12, 1, it says, Whoever loves instruction loves knowledge. But he that hates reproof is brutish. See, change cannot happen if we refuse correction. Being teachable is a key to being changed and being transformed. Look at a couple of scriptures. Proverbs 12, verse 15. Proverbs 12, 15 says, The way of a fool is right in his own eyes. Don't try to change a fool by arguing with them. Because as far as they're concerned, they're right. And you just might be in that stage with them where you're planting seed. And it's not harvest time yet. But you keep planting seed in their lives and let the Lord bring the increase. Amen. It says, the way of a fool is right in his own eyes. But he that hearkeneth unto counsel is wise. Look at chapter 15 of Proverbs. Proverbs 15, verse 31 through 33. It says, the ear that hears the reproof of life abides among the wise. But he that refuses instruction despises his own soul. But he that hateth reproof gets understanding. The fear of the Lord is the instruction of wisdom. And before honor is humility. Amen. Be humble enough to recognize when you're on the wrong path. Be humble enough to recognize a bad decision you have made. Don't just keep plowing ahead and plowing ahead by faith when the Holy Ghost isn't in something. Be humble enough to let God correct you and put you back in the right path. The biggest change that you can make is you. Look at Matthew 12 verse 35. I found this out. When I change what I put in on the inside of me, the outside's going to follow suit. Amen. If you will change what you're feeding your spirit with, eventually it'll show up on the outside. In Matthew chapter 12, verse 35. And you got to build boundaries around what you're feeding yourself with. Amen. In Matthew 12, verse 35, notice this with me. It says, A good man out of the good treasure of the heart brings forth good things. And an evil man out of the evil treasure of the heart bringeth forth evil things. See, our lives are really a manifestation of what's on the inside of us. Now, there are some hindrances to change. I alluded to this earlier, but one hindrance is pride. I don't need to change. Look at Proverbs 16, verse 18. Well, how's that working for you, like Dr. Phil would say? I don't need to make any changes. Proverbs uh, verse 16, verse 18 says, Pride goes before destruction. 
and a haughty spirit before a fall. That's a hindrance to change. We've already said fear is a hindrance to change. How about this one? Rebellion. I just flat don't want to change. Or this one, laziness. I don't feel like changing. Well, look at Proverbs chapter 6. I don't feel like it. Okay? Since when do your emotions take charge of you? You take charge of your emotions. You are not a feeling. You are a spirit. Your feelings are to be subject to your spirit man. We are not to allow our emotions to dictate what kind of day we're going to have. When you wake up tomorrow morning, you can determine what kind of day you have by simply declaring, this is the day that the Lord has made. I'm going to rejoice, I'm going to get happy, and I'm going to be glad in it. Yeah, but it's cloudy outside, but it's still the day the Lord has made. Yeah, but I'm going to work. Thank God you got a job. All I got is peanut butter and jelly to put in my lunch bucket. Thank God you got the peanut butter and jelly. This is the day that the Lord has made. As long as we moan and groan about what we don't have, we'll never experience increase in our life. But thank God if we'll be thankful unto Him, He will increase us. Glory to God. And He can bring more into our lives. Lazy people say, I I just... I don't feel like changing. Well, Proverbs chapter 6. Look at uh, verses 9 through 11. So, he says, verse 9, How long wilt thou sleep, O sluggard? When will you arise out of your sleep? Yet a little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to sleep. So shall thy poverty come as one that traveleth, and thy want as an armed man. Don't expect success if you're too lazy. Well, I'm waiting for my ship to come in. You never sent one out. Well, I'm just waiting for my job to come to me. Why don't you go to the job? Go out there and put applications in. And then your job can come to you. Well, I just don't feel like getting up early. I don't feel like change. Well, bless your little feelings heart. Amen. The word of God says this. The hand of the diligent will bear rule. The Bible says that he rewards those that diligently seek him. And then another hindrance to change is just ignorance. Well, I never thought about it. Well, wake up. The Bible says my people are destroyed for a lack of knowledge. Now, very closely connected with this is we need then to make sure that we establish a proper environment for change. Ask yourself, well, how am I creating a positive change in my environment? In other words, create positive changes by looking at your situations and relationships And ask yourself how you can bring glory to God through them. Take responsibility for the environment of your own home. Take responsibility of the environment of what you allow into your home. You know, in Proverbs chapter 4, 
In verse 23, he says this. He says, protect your spirit with all diligence. For out of your spirit will flow what? Will flow the issues or the forces of life. See, there's an ear gate into your life. There's an eye gate into your life. Those gates must be protected. Establish a godly environment in your home. Fill your home with good music. Fill your home with Pastor Mark preaching you the word. Fill your automobile with songs of praise and songs of deliverance. Be filled with the Holy Spirit. Think about that for a moment. In Ephesians chapter 5, in the Greek it says, but be being filled with the Holy Spirit. There are things that you can arrange in your life that will help you to get filled. And there are things that you can arrange in your life that will help you to stay filled. You ought to have a Bible everywhere you go. In the technology that we have today, you can pull up every translation known to mankind. Have yourself a banquet with the Word of God every day. And even if you're not reading the Word, put old Alexander Scorpion and let him read the Word to you. Get yourself an iPod or get yourself some MP3s and make yourself listen to the Word of God. I guarantee you, it'll make a huge difference in your life. Riding down the road, listen to healing scriptures. Getting up in the morning, turn the word on. Amen? Speak in other tongues. Create an atmosphere and an environment that is conducive to be filled with the Holy Spirit. You can do it. I think one of the greatest vehicles to be filled with the Holy Spirit is music. Is that right? Filled with the Spirit. Allow Spirit-filled music to fill your soul. If you know of a certain artist that is full of God, get close to that. Listening to that. Now, it's true in the world. You can be filled with other spirits. You hang around with people that sing the blues. And when I talk about hanging around with people that sing the blues, I'm talking you're playing their music. Those blues will get in you. You'll start thinking about and talking about how bad life is. Or... If you allow yourself to be entertained with the spirit of this age in certain venues of music, what is on them will get in you. If that is true in the world, how much more true it is in the church world. The Bible says, but be being filled with the spirit. Speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. Singing glory to God and giving glory to him. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Glory to God. 
So embrace change rather than resist it. Develop a relationship with the Lord. He can change you. Turn me to 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 18. 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 18. Oh, thank you, Lord. I believe it. I believe that we're being transformed. Look with me at 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 17, rather, and verse 18. It says, Now the Lord is that Spirit. And where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. The word liberty there means emancipation from bondage or freedom. Verse 18. Ready, read. But we all, with open face, beholding as in a glass the glory of the Lord, are changed into the same image from glory to glory, even as by the Spirit of the Lord. Now, I want to read that from the Amplified Version, so bear with me a moment. And all of us, as with unveiled face. Let's talk about that for a moment. When Moses went up to receive the Ten Commandments, and when he came back down after 40 days and 40 nights, literally, they had to put a veil on his face. And the reason why is because he had been saturated, permeated with the glory. And this glory was so strong upon Moses that if people looked into his face or looked into his eyes, they probably would have become crispy critters. Especially in light of what they were doing down below. (laughs) And so... There was a veil, if you will, under the old covenant. But in the new covenant, that veil has been taken away or done away in and through Christ Jesus. Now notice with me. It says, in all of us with unveiled face, because we continued to behold in the word of God as in a mirror the glory of the Lord. One person said it like this, what you behold is what you will become. What you look at consistently and constantly will become a part of your life. Say that with me real strong. What I behold is what I will become. Once again, what I behold is what I will become. In other words, what I look at consistently and constantly will become a part of my life. If I'm looking at what's going on in the world and listening to the reports consistently and constantly about how bad things are, if I behold that consistently, that is what will become a part of me. Now, there's no way we should become like ostriches with our heads buried in the sand. We need to know what's going on around us, but never allow what's going on around you to get in you. It's okay to know what's happening in the world, 
so that you can go to the Word and behold it. And when you behold in the Word, glory to God, what's going on in the world will not have an impact on you any longer. Because you are constantly and consistently beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord. Look at your Bible right now. Did you know that this Bible is glorious? This Bible contains in it the words of life. This Bible contains in it the words of divine healing. This word contains within it the power to change your life. This word has all the answers to the ills of mankind. This word will change you. This word is sure. This word is powerful. This word is alive. This word is a living thing. God's word is alive. It'll change you. It'll get into your joints. It'll get into your bones. It'll get into your mind. It will consume the way you think, the way you talk, and the way you act. This word is filled with the glory of the Lord. Glory! I said this word is filled with the glory of the Lord. You want to become transformed? You want to go from glory to glory? Get this glorious word on the inside of you and it will transform you. It will transfigure you and it will cause you to live in victory. Woo! Glory! Say it with me. The word is life. The word is full of power. This word is glorious. You know what I'm saying to you? Read it. Read it. Don't just read books about it. Read the book. Don't just listen to preachers who preach about it. Read the book. Get in the book. Get the book in you. When you get the book in you, you will get life in you. I'm telling you, this word is full of revelation. It's, in, it's pregnant with revelation. Have you ever looked at one scripture one day and then a month later looked at it and all of a sudden you saw something differently? Oh, the magnificence and the glorious and the wonderful blessing of the Word of God. Hallelujah. It's life. It's health. It'll bring joy into your life. You know, in Nehemiah, after the wall was rebuilt... After they had built up the walls around them so that the enemy couldn't come in, they had a celebration. They said, today's not a day to be sorry. Today's not a day to be faint. Today's not a day to be bummed out. Today is a day to eat the fat. Today is a day to drink the sweet. Why? Because the joy of the Lord is your strength. And Jesus said that joy will come as you feed on the Word of God. Hey, this joy that you have, the world didn't give it to you. This joy that you have, the world can't take it away. Glory to God. Because this joy is in Him, and He is in you, and Him and the Word are one. You want to get happy? You don't have to watch Chevy Chase to get happy. Glory to God, look into this Word. It's glorious. It has transforming power in it. Read it. Try it. You like it. Read it. From cover to cover. 
Read it. Read a proverb a day. Read something from the Gospels every day. Read something from the Epistles every day. I'll guarantee you, the more you read it, the more you behold it, the more you will become like it. This change does not come through your own willpower. This change can come by the will of the Father. And you saying, Father, your will, your word be done in my life. Oh, glory to God. And all of us, you know, your face is unveiled. Because we continue to behold in the word of God as in a mirror, the glory of the Lord. Here's what's happened. Nain, we are constantly being transfigured into his very own image in ever increasing splendor and from one degree of glory to another. For this comes from the Lord who is that spirit. How would you like to constantly be changed? How would you like to come up? How would you like to go from where you are to right here? You're at a glorious place, but there's more with God. He wants to bring you from a glorious place to another degree of glory. And then when you get up there, hey, that's just the beginning. He'll take you on from glory to glory to glory to glory until one day we're going to be caught up in the glory and we'll forever be with the Lord. Friends, you can change by God's power. This word will change you. As every head is bowed and every eye is closed, if you're here today and you said, Pastor Mark, I received this word. I am going to see lasting changes in my life. I refuse to go back to my old ways. You know, after receiving deliverance and after receiving Jesus Christ, I believe that we need to stop our old ways of life. As the Word of God says, put off the old man and put on the new man. You know, the Master warned this person who was healed of a spirit of infirmity that he must stop sinning or something else or worse could come upon him. Jesus is in this place today. And He can bring change by the power of the Holy Spirit. His Spirit and His Word will cause us to change. You're here this morning. You've not yet received the Spirit of the living God. You've not yet been filled with the Spirit. But God is saying,